Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. First Corinthians chapter 6 in just a few moments. If you want to find that in your Bible or a Bible app on your phone, it will also be on the screen uh, as well. As we're getting our hearts and minds ready for this word, you may be still thinking about what you heard uh, last Sunday with regard to our new service of baptismal remembrance and renewal. I want to make sure you know that is uh, open for you to sign up for, to uh, at least sign up to ask questions about. Uh, we'll have some classes. We haven't scheduled those yet until we see who, see who all is interested. I think we have about 30 folks who have already signed up to uh, at least explore this new service of baptismal remembrance. And so if you need to do that, there should be an email somewhere in your inbox or spam filter uh, where you can, can find that link. Uh, if you don't have that, call the church or email me and let's uh, figure it out uh, together. Uh, you can also just call the church and ask to get on the list. That works, that works too. Uh, I wanted to say, take a moment to say this. We send uh, a weekly email from the church. If you're not getting those, let us know. We try to communicate very clearly all the things that are happening. There's so much happening here that it can be a little bit overwhelming. And we have some staff people who help sort of streamline our communication so that you get uh, the critical information and have access to all the other stuff too. But sometimes those emails get into your spam and junk folders, uh, specifically Comcast and Gmail. They tend to just decide all at once that uh, Bills is just going to go in the junk. And even though he's been reading them for years, now it's going to go in the junk folder. So just be mindful of that. If you ever stop getting them, that may be what's going on. Uh, otherwise, make sure you're signed up for those, those emails and all of that communication. Let's pray together before we hear from 1 Corinthians 6. Oh God, we open your word now. We pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us into the deep truth that we find in Paul's words today. Help us to hear, help us to do. Most of all, Lord, help us to understand in our hearts why this conversation about our bodies is so very important today. It can seem like something we ought to skip over, but uh, the truth is we can't. We need to listen carefully to what you're teaching us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. We are beginning our Epiphany sermon series today, and so we're, we're looking at uh, Eyes Wide Open, Jesus Brings New Life. 
Jesus brings new life. That's our theme for the next several weeks. And we're starting with a very interesting text from 1 Corinthians having to do with our, our bodies. And as I read it, you're going to say, why in the world is he starting here? Well, I feel like this is just where we have to start. As we prayed and thought through this series, this seemed like the right place to begin. And so uh, this, uh, Miss, Miss Tammy, this is, uh, where'd she go? Oh, there you are. I thought maybe you'd gone on to refit to start early. <laughs> Don't sit too long. You'll get stove up and can't get a... Uh, uh, this is a PG-13 text. <laughs> it's not quite R, but it's definitely PG-13. And so uh, I'm going to just read through it. And if you have questions from little ones, uh, good luck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I will be happy to help navigate that if, if that comes up later this afternoon. No, I don't mean good luck. Y'all got it. You probably don't want to call me because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Let's actually start in the 11th verse and then read on from there. Let us hear the word of God. And this is what some of you used to be, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and uh, the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Back at home in uh, West Tennessee, all of the daddies have this saying uh, that you just hear everywhere. You hear it at the ball field, at the basketball court. You hear it uh, at school. You hear it at church. Wherever you are, you're going to hear this saying that I, as a father, have finally come to appreciate. I used to hate it. Oh, I hated it so much when I'd hear one of them would say, especially my daddy would say, act like somebody. That's what they said. Act like somebody. Oh, they said it in Alabama too then. Okay. Yeah, act like somebody. I never did know what that meant as I was growing up, but I, having children, I now know exactly what that meant. Act like somebody. You can follow it with act like somebody with some sense. That's an especially critical assessment of that, of that saying. You can say it with a little humor. Oh, act like somebody, Joe. Act like somebody. That's just funny. You can laugh and sort of go on realizing that was just a gentle adjustment. Or you can say it with terror. Act like somebody. That's, that's to scare you to death when you hear one of the daddies come down on you with act like somebody like that. I, I remember a, a youth trip to Lake Junaluska in North Carolina uh, our pastor, we didn't have a youth director, we just had our, our pastor, he, he drove 14 youth and himself in a 15-passenger van 10 hours to North Carolina. 
the last two hours were really difficult. We stopped to get gas, and he said, you're going to have to sit up front with me. Nobody wanted to sit with him. We were taking turns as to who had to sit. He said, you are going to sit up front with me, and don't stop talking until we get there. I am about to fall asleep and kill us all. <laughs> if you talk, I will not go to sleep. I like fishing and Jesus. Start talking now. That's when I, I guess I first experienced the call to ministry. I don't know. It's, I learned that I could talk for hours and say absolutely nothing. I still can do that today. Well, we made it over to Lake Jinaluska. We made it to the McDonald's parking lot. He looked so relieved when we all got out there. And then all that pent-up youth energy, 10 hours in the church van, why, it just got out of control in the McDonald's dining room in Lake Jinaluska. It was it was really bad. We were throwing ketchup. We were uh, playing with our food, mixing up drinks and pouring them out and then mixing up another drink just to see what it tasted like. You know how you go through the fountain and just get some of everything? Well, oh, it's awful. We had people playing in their French fries, talking so loud, dirty joke telling, you name it. We were doing it. One of our boys was chasing a squealing girl all around the dining room. Just, she was, ah, and he was running after her. It was bad. I, I was actually... I was minding my own business uh, drinking sweet and sour sauce packets. Y'all remember those little? <laughs> I would open one up and drink it down and get me another one and drink it down. Pounding sweet and sour. That's why they charge a quarter now to have a sweet and sour sauce. I used them all up at that McDonald's over there in North Carolina. All the local people who were sitting in there minding their business trying to have a nice supper they looked absolutely horrified at the scene. And, of course, you could look out the front window and see our raggedy old church van that said on the side, Covington First United Methodist Church, Covington, Tennessee. They were all just looking, mm, shaking their heads. Poor Brother Mickey, our pastor, he came over. He was exhausted, hungry, and so mad. Oh, my goodness. He, took a, he had a great big fist. He took his fist and just, boom, right in the middle of the table. And he said, y'all better act like somebody with some sense. I didn't drive y'all 500 miles for you to bring shame and humiliation on the entire Methodist church. Well, that got our attention pretty good uh, right there. And so we, we straightened up. It worked beautifully. We were great the whole rest of the trip. And guess what? When we got home, we hired a youth director right after that. <laughs> they had said we didn't have any money. Miraculously, money appeared, and we, we hired a youth director. Act like somebody. Act like somebody. At the heart of that statement is the question of identity, isn't it? The question of who we are. The question of identity. We're in this epiphany series of sermons. Epiphany means the the sudden perception of the essential nature of something like identity. In our case, our eyes are being opened to the fact that Jesus brings new life. Today, the Apostle Paul brings us a word about how we live and what we do with our bodies that either reflects our new life in Jesus Christ or does not reflect that identity as new life in Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to know in this part of the letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is talking to the men of the church, 
Specifically, he's talking to the Gentile or non-Jewish men in the church. Remember, these early churches were quite complicated. We think our church is complicated. Oh, we hadn't got nothing on these folks. These churches were an absolute mess of dysfunction and complication for all of the Jewish people in the room, for all the Jewish people who had accepted Christ as Messiah, they are living the fulfillment of their faith in this thing called the church. That's what they're doing. For these Gentile Christians who have come to faith in Christ, apart from the Jewish tradition, they are living something entirely new while trying to assimilate that new thing into their own long-established religious practices, which were very different than the Jewish people. Paul is trying desperately to hold these folks together while they try to tear each other apart. He, he has to continually dig down to what is most important for the church of Jesus Christ, whose purpose is to show the world God's new covenant and God's new creation in Jesus. Now, we preachers love to use this passage from 1 Corinthians 6 with young people while we're trying to get them or keep them on the right path. We love to lean on this text. Your body is a temple. We love to do that. That Lake Junaluska Youth Retreat had this text as its theme. I still have the notes from 1995, a trip to Lake Junaluska. I saved them, and I can go find them today. But in the Corinthian church... This was an adult conversation. It was a married, middle-aged adult conversation. It was not the Sunday afternoon youth group discussion. Remember now, this is a real church, a really messy church, actually, where Paul, in chapter 5, just in the previous chapter, Paul has had to call out a church member for openly arrogantly living with, in every sense of the word, if you understand what I mean, living with his stepmother, okay? How crazy is that? We hope it's his stepmother. It actually says his father's wife. We don't really know if it's his stepmother. We just hope and pray that that's how it is. We've tried to sanitize that a little bit. That's what Paul is dealing with in the church. Can you imagine if we had to do that? Oh, my goodness, Paul was having to do that. There was, in Corinth and in lots of other places in the ancient world which were adopting Christianity, this understanding of what we call freedom in Christ that suggested anything goes. Because my sins are forgiven in Jesus, anything goes. That was an understanding that sort of swam around in the early church. Some of this was very helpful in loosening the legalism which threatened the early church. We do have this tremendous freedom in Christ. We aren't measured any longer by our ability to keep the law. There is joy and freedom in knowing that we are measured by how well the love of God is transforming us from the inside out. Together with this freedom in Christ... The gospel demands that we accept all people, no matter what, just as Christ has accepted us. That's a very hard challenge to accept all people, no matter what, just as Christ has accepted us. But it is a command that we find in the scriptures. It's not a question mark for us. It's part of who we have to be. So because of Jesus, the church is always to be a place of everybody's welcome. But everybody's welcome doesn't mean 
anything goes. Just as freedom in Christ doesn't mean do whatever you want, okay? This is complicated. It was complicated for Corinth. It was a great challenge at Corinth. It still is a complicated challenge for the church today. There was a lot going on in this church at Corinth. Lots of fighting, name-calling, open criticism, condemnation of some, lifting, lifting up of others, shunning of people, arrogance, and a little thing, we glossed over it, a little thing called fornication. Did you hear that word? I'm sure nobody heard that word when I said fornication. Oh, preacher, what is that? What is fornication? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you. Just relax. I'm going to tell you as best as I can what it is, but I just want to say from the outset You've probably already done it, all right? You've just probably already done it. That's how this works, especially if you take Jesus seriously in Matthew chapter 5 where he says, if you even look with lust in your heart, you have done it. Oh, so uh, to make it real plain before we get to this, if anybody is still standing on a pedestal of perfection as we get into this, <laughs> let's just step off of that thing right now so that we can talk about this like somebody with some sense, all right? That's what we're getting ready to do. Fornication is the word pornea in the Greek. It's the same root word as pornography. Debauchery is another word that helps us understand what we're talking about. Broadly speaking, fornication is any type of sexual immorality that does not take seriously the sacred worth of all people and our call to holy living. Two parts of that, the sacred worth of all people and our call to holy living. Interestingly, Paul in this passage is not talking so much about morality as he's talking about our identity in Christ and our addiction to pleasure and comfort, which is actually a question of idolatry, of putting our own pleasure and comfort in the place where God ought to be in our hearts and minds. That's what Paul is dealing with. He's talking to these Corinthian Gentile men who have experienced beautifully the liberating power of faith in Jesus and who see no reason why they can't just continue to visit the temple prostitutes they've come to know and love over the years. Okay, that's what he's dealing with here. They don't see any reason why this matters because that temple stuff is nothing. Jesus is everything. Why does it matter if I still go over to that temple and do what I've always done? Now, this seems very strange to us, but in Greco-Roman religious structures, worship in those temples almost always included participating, we'll say, participating with temple prostitutes. It wasn't illegal. It was normal. It was accepted. Your wife was reserved for the sacred task of childbearing. Temple prostitutes and household servants, all these other kind of people met your other needs so you didn't have to bother your wife. Paul looks at all of this with his very faithful Jewish eyes and his very clear understanding of what is at the heart of the matter. And he says to these people gathered up at Corinth, act like somebody. That's what he said, <laughs> act like somebody. Yes, you have tremendous freedom in Jesus Christ, but that freedom is to be used according to your identity as a follower of Jesus who is your Lord. Your body is included in that Christ-centered identity. You are united to the Lord. Your body is there, body and soul, and what you do with that body matters so much. 
these Corinthian Christians, especially the Gentile Corinthian Christians, had to get their mind around an entirely new way of self-understanding. For them, they have been raised to understand the body as just an unholy vehicle housing your soul until that soul can be released to go be with the divine being, whoever that is for you. That wicked body has all sorts of unholy desires. You just do the best you can with it until you are set free from that thing. But for Paul and the Jewish people and our Christian faith, your body is part of yourself. And your whole self, body and soul together, were created in the image of God. The whole thing, you see, is being saved by the grace of God we find in Jesus. The whole thing is being made whole. When you die, you will be raised from the dead, and your body and soul will finally be made completely whole, or as we sometimes say, saved to the uttermost. In the meantime, you have tremendous freedom in Christ. The chains of sin and wickedness have been broken. You have the freedom to choose not to sin by the power of Jesus. You are united to the Lord, not to the broken ways of this world. Your body itself is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God has claimed you as God's own, and your purpose, body and soul, is to reveal God's holy love to the whole world. That's what it means, verse 20, to glorify God in your body. The question, the question here is not, have we properly defined the limits of fornication? <laughs> the question is, are we acting like somebody? That's the question. Do we understand the gospel promise that the love of God is actively filling our hearts, burning away our sin, and even our desire to sin so much that we can't help but live differently because we are growing up into our identity in Christ. And if we are thus growing up, can we then turn loose of our addiction to our own pleasure and comfort so that it is no longer a stumbling block to those who are trying to see Jesus in us? Now, we don't really have temple prostitutes anymore. Our addiction to pleasure and comfort has evolved over the years and has taken many, many new forms. Arrogance, self-righteousness, the refusal to act with compassion so we don't have to be uncomfortable, choosing to live lives which shelter us from the suffering of others, and all sorts of new kinds of sexual immorality which do so much harm to us and to others. This whole thing has been kind of an epiphany moment for me that the God who created us all does not stand on the sidelines in the game of life keeping a list of our sins. Rather, that God comes to live within, loving me into a life of holiness from the inside out so, so that I can, I can act like somebody, not because I have to, not because you make me, not because Brother Mickey banged his fist on the table, and not because God will get me if I don't, but just because I want to. I want to act like somebody. That's very different, very different. And also because I have the freedom to live in such a way which invites others into this beautiful new life in Jesus Christ. The real question is, do I love these others in my life enough to give up my own pleasure and comfort so that they can see Jesus more clearly? Am I following Jesus closely enough so that I know how to act like 
somebody? That's a question that only you can answer, but it is a question that God in Christ would like to help us answer. Let's pray together. Oh God, we hear your word. We see how it challenges us still today. Free us from the desire to just sort of gloss over this. Help us to listen deeply to what you say. That how we live matters so much. Help us to turn loose of our various addictions to pleasure and comfort and whatever else so that we can live in a way that honors you, that brings glory to you, and that helps others find new life in your son Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen.